0: are going through. Maybe even you go through this and that is the fear of bugs. So we're going to dive into that. I have quite a few little people in my house who are afraid of bugs and I want to talk about what's typical and maybe then what becomes kind of a a clinical concern. So before I get started though, I want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD brings affordable OCD therapy to all 50 States now, and they're expanding into other countries, which is crazy exciting because I can't tell you how many people from around the world contact me and tell me that they can't find an OCD therapist. So they are now from what I've been told in the UK and in Australia. And I've been trying to say, get to Canada. Um, and they're working on it. So if you want to learn more about an OCD and see what providers are in your state or even your country, you can go to go.treatmyocd.com slash at underscore parenting. And I will leave a link in the show notes if you didn't catch that. So let's talk all about bugs. This was actually a question that I got from a Patreon who is part of the mini coaching. And if you want to be part of the mini coaching Patreon page, you can support the podcast and then you get to ask me questions. And very often I use your questions for podcast ideas, or I sometimes just do an entire episode for my mini coaching Patreons. They also get discounts on all my classes. And to learn more about that, you can get the link in the show notes. So I'm going to read the question that I got. I'd like to hear what you have to say about the fear of flying insects. Kieran has what seems to be a phobia of them. It started with bees, but it was recently about mosquito hawks. He struggles to go outside when there are flying insects right outside the door. How can I encourage him? To welcome bugs as part of the creatures we live with and be at peace with them. And this is really the reason why I actually took this question and decided I'm going to do an entire podcast on this is because I know it's so common for a lot of us to struggle with this with our kids. There is a normal reaction to a fear of bugs that is not clinical, where, you know, we just don't like bugs. And depending on what areas you live in, some bugs can be actually really scary, right? I'm in Arizona. There are scorpions, snakes, that's not really a bug, (laughs) but they still scare me. And oh, there's black widows where I live. So those are like legitimately scary, but there's also things that are less lethal and there's things that are not lethal at all. So I always like to start with the normalcy of, yeah, it's normal to be somewhat afraid of bugs, but a lot of our kids with anxiety or OCD take it to the next level. And so that's when we really want to start working on things when we see it going to that next level and impeding their ability to function. And so these are the kids that don't want to go outside at all, no matter what, or, you know, like Steven was saying in his question, you know, you see a bug kind of flying up by the lights or, you know, near the door and that's it. You're done for the day. You're not going outside for my kids. It has ruined hikes. It has ruined. We actually just went out to a farm to look at some horses with one of my friends. And, you know, there were a lot of flies Going around, and I can tell that it really kind of ruined it for my son. And they're flies, they're not going to hurt him. We definitely work on it at my house. It's an ongoing process because it's not like as a parent, our kids have these issues, and then we do it the right way. We approach it the right way, and then boom, their fears go away, and all is great with the world. It's a little messier. It's a lot messier than that. It's a constant thing to work on, it's something that we have to keep touching back on. It's something that goes away for a while and then it can come back. Even if you're doing all the right things, your child may not be responsive for a while. And that's okay. Cause you know what I always say, <laughs> can you tell I'm going to say we're planting seeds, right? And so some of our seeds are going to sprout. Sometimes they're going to take years to sprout. Sometimes they're never going to sprout at all, but we need to keep planting those seeds. So when you see your child really avoiding most things, and I know last summer when we got a pool, my kids started to avoid the pool because they were worried about the bees and we did have a lot of bees, but it it got to the point where they didn't want to go swimming. And so we had to address that. So I'm going to give you some brief brush strokes of approaches that I take in my practice or did take in my practice. My practice is no longer, I'm just committing to all my work online now since my husband passed away so I can spend more time with my kids, but I'm going to talk to you about the things that I normally do with my kids and what I've done in my practice. Let's start off with the little guys. And I'm just going to say this really briefly. Cause it's not, it's not the be all and end all. It's certainly not going to help any of your kids who are older than like preschool age, but it, it is a good place to start. And that is like personifying bugs. And so when you have younger kids watching movies and I'm going to seem really outdated because I don't know, I can't really think of any current movies. But there are tons of them, so I'm sure they're out there, but like a movie, like it's a bug's Life or ants, A-N-T-Z, or books that personify bugs, or there used to be a cartoon, which I completely forgot now what it was called it was spiders, the spider family. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, it's probably pretty old right now because my memories go way back, but that was a great cartoon because it was all about their life and them talking. And there were all different kinds of bugs, not just the spiders. I hope that you know what I'm talking about, but find things that humanize them. And you can also humanize them yourself by going out in your backyard. And if you're seeing like a row of ants, you can talk about what they're doing. Up, oh, they're all lining up. They're going to get that food. See that big thing there? They're all going to try to carry it back to the queen or that bee over there. You know, he's gathering, going into the flowers so he can, you know, whatever. Get the nectar. <laughs> I'm going to sound ignorant because I'm like I don't know what bugs do. But educating them better than I just did to you <laughs> can help because when we when we personify them and this only works really for younger kids but when we personify it they just don't seem as scary because we're demystifying it. Now moving into the older kids, the first thing that I find really helps and again, like I said none of this is going to be a silver bullet answer, it never is. But these are just things to add into your toolbox. Educate your child. So, I have done that with my kids. We've talked about flies and we talk about, you know, what what bugs don't bite or what bugs don't sting because when you have a child who has like major phobias about things that aren't even harmful, that's a really great place to start because I want them to start being able to differentiate the buzz of a bee versus the buzz of a fly, because that reduces their anxiety then down to, you know, 50% or actually more depending on where you live and what your backyard or wherever you are is like, you're more likely to see flies a lot of times than bees. And so if I can get my kids to differentiate Obviously I need to do more work with my son. <laughs> you know, all this grief stuff has really just made all of their anxiety and OCD themes like bubble up really badly right now. And so I feel like we are at square one with almost everything that he had already dealt with him in particular. So, we got to start over that because obviously we need to talk about flies. <laughs> because flies are not scary and getting them to differentiate those those sounds can help is it a fly or is it a bee? And then you can do some research on it. So, and, and I really wouldn't do research on poisonous bugs, that, you know, obviously that can really upset kids, but I think starting with the things that they're afraid of that are that are harmless can be really helpful. Pulling up so what we did a long time ago with my son, which we'll obviously have to revisit, is he got a dead fly and he had a microscope and he's really into science. And so, for him, and this may not work for your child, it might freak them out. So you have to know You know, you have to take everything I say with a grain of salt and say, is that something that would work for my child? Or is that something that would make it worse? You have to gauge that yourself because I'm only giving you education for him. He's way into science. So putting the bug under the microscope and really learning about the parts and learning about interesting facts and tidbits about the fly really demystified it. And, and then we actually moved to bees and he started to learn about bees. Actually, my daughter started to learn about bees too, and They learned that honeybees don't sting and they learned how to differentiate them and they put them under the microscope. We have like a kid microscope or we did, I don't know where it is, I'll have to find it. And so doing some of that education can be really helpful. And I know, Stephen, you were talking about mosquito hawks. I must be very bug illiterate because I'm like a mosquito hawk, what is that? I'm sure we have them here. So I Googled it. And from my very, very brief search, so don't email me if you're like, a bug expert <laughs> and you're like wow you slaughtered that podcast i am here to talk about the anxiety part of it when i briefly googled it mosquito hawks do not bite or sting and so if that is accurate which according to my 30 second google search was <laughs> that's something i would explore with him you know let's do a research study on mosquito hawks let's do a powerpoint on mosquito hawks or let's do let's draw some pictures of mosquito hawks and talk about facts and interesting tidbits about them if he's open to that, that can really help demystify the fear of it. It can also sometimes help them realize the good things about what they do. So depending on their, their nature, like my daughter is really like this kind and caring thing. And so when she heard that, you know, honeybees are really important and that we need them in our environment, she became kind of the crusader of save the honeybees when they land in our pool. So she went from being afraid of them, which she still is, but To wanting to make sure that they are okay. That's huge for somebody who wouldn't even come outside initially. It will get worse and it will get better again. I have no fairy tale vision of how that's gonna end. (laughs) But at least I know where to work on it with her. So that might be something to do. Stephen is, you know, do research on mosquito hogs. There's great YouTube videos. Screen everything before you show your kids because sometimes you might think everything looks really good and then. It goes a little sideways at the end. And so you want to make sure that it's not something that will trigger your kids. You know, your kids the best. So some things that I think are not triggering can trigger other people's kids and things that would trigger my kids don't trigger other people's kids. So you have to know, you know, your child the best. Okay. So after education, let's talk about a plan. So this is relevant for both, you know, non poisonous or venomous, bugs and also ones that are dangerous when we have a plan and this goes really we can speak about anxiety in general when we have a plan for anything that we are phobic about or anything that we are anxious about not i'm not talking in the OCD world because sometimes plans can be con, can turn into compulsions but i'm just talking about generalized anxiety or specific phobias when you have a plan and i'm speaking from from my own personal experience having an anxiety disorder when i have a plan my anxiety gets reduced So empowering our kids on what they can do if they encounter that bug can be really, really helpful. And that's an important thing to do with poisonous ones too. So I know out here in Arizona, they teach the kids what to do if they see a snake. I don't know if they do that in elementary school, but when I was sending my kids to this preschool, there was like this literally utopian preschool out in the desert. It was like, 25 minutes away. So it was quite a long drive, but it was like the teachers, it was Montessori and the teachers like all had like master's degrees and they did yoga and Spanish and there was chickens and produce. And it was like, it was the most beautiful preschool I had ever seen. So it was worth the drive. And the problem was it was way out in the desert. It was beautiful, like, you know, mountains. And I mean, it was like picturesque, but there were snakes out there and they taught the kids very matter of factly if you see a snake, you know, you need to slowly walk backwards and not run and not scream. And they would have to actually clear the little like play areas before they let the kids in. Cause it was, there were that many snakes. Luckily. I don't think my kids ever had an issue with that, but because they were matter of factly about it. And because the kids felt like they knew how to handle it, it reduced the anxiety. And my kids are super anxious and they were not anxious about the snakes. I mean, I was, <laughs> And even now, you know, I'm walking this desert trail now every day is kind of a new thing so that I could be like, clear my mind and have, I'm just trying to find balance in my life now, but I worry about the snakes. You know, I definitely can speak on this topic from a personal perspective because I definitely have, I have a fear of bugs. You know, I was trying to think of how to articulate this, not all bugs. And most, I don't want to say most, many kids have different fears depending on which bug we're talking about. Um, there are some kids who have such debilitating anxiety around all bugs. But a lot of us have just particular ones. Scorpions are an incredible phobia for me. And I'll get to that in a second. (laughs) So we'll talk about that. So when I'm on this path, I remind myself, if I see a snake, you know, I'm just going to slowly walk backwards and I'll, I'll turn around and I'll go off the path, like head back in the other direction. And I'm walking on a pretty wide path. That's like light in color. And so another thing I remind myself is you're on a path, you can see them, you know way up ahead and the likelihood of them like sliming across the sliming. (laughs) I know some of you love snakes. and I'm sorry. It's a phobia of mine, you know, but I feel like I might be able to see it ahead of time. So I remind myself that, you know, and if any of you took my anxiety course, you know, that's my green thought. My red thought is, oh my gosh, I can't be on this trail by myself. I'm going to get bit by a rattlesnake. My green thought is if I see one, I'm going to walk back slowly and it'll be fine. So having a plan can really help with my kids. Let's go back to kids and, you know, not Natasha. There are things that I do to empower them. So we have, you know, and I'm sorry, any of you who are bug lovers, but we have like fly swatters. And so I would put them in like areas where my kids can reach them so that they know that they can control their environment and protect themselves. I also bought, and this is more for those of you that have kids that are afraid of spiders or scorpions um, or other stuff like that. And we may not want our kids to handle obviously poisonous insects, but for ones that are not poisonous, getting them to be able to feel empowered to move that bug away or kill that bug, whatever you're comfortable with can be really helpful. So I bought a really, I had a search for this forever, but I bought a, um, a really light but long pool net so that my kids can scoop out the bugs themselves. And that empowers them that they have something that they can do. Also teaching them what to do if they see a bug. So if you see a bee, you know, it doesn't want to bother you, but if you start waving your arms, you know, you're kind of drawing attention to it. It's going to think you want to fight. It will be in a fight or flight mode itself. So teaching kids what to do for these things can be helpful. Another thing that I did is I bought mosquito bands. So they're like bracelets that stink. (laughs) And for a while, my kids would not go outside because they didn't want to get bit by mosquitoes. And so I got these bracelets and I said, just go out there and wear these. And so that empowered them. Even if the bracelets didn't work a hundred percent, it was like a tool that made them feel like they were armed and they were empowered. So look at what kind of plans or tools or skills or methods you can give your kids on how they should interact with a bug. If they were to see it, that can be helpful. It might even be, you know, here, just take a cup and put it over the bug. If you see it. And that might be way too much for people. It just depends on where your child is at. I will say on a grown-up level, since my husband passed away, like there are certain things that I think about in my grief, where I start to get like paralyzed with fear. And I, you know, like there's certain things that he did that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't do that. What's going to (laughs) happen. Like, my router is so stupid. He was like, he was the fixer. He was the tech guy. And I think, oh my gosh, if the router goes out, like I won't know what to do. Like besides call the cable company. But the other thing that I worry about is seeing a scorpion because I would literally call him to come back from work. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I would put a glass over it and I would call him and I would say, this is waiting for you when you come home. And and I really couldn't function that day. I'd have to go check back on the glass, make sure the scorpion's still there. So definitely a big phobia of mine and the smaller they are, you know, the more lethal. So it's really scary out here in the desert. And some of you have other bugs and insects that are at the same level, you know, that you might have a lot of that are poisonous and they're scary. And so it's, we don't want our kids to not be afraid of those, but we also don't want them to have to do compulsions every day where they have to search for these bugs. I mean, some, some places you actually do have to like clear your shoes out and stuff and check your bed and other places. It doesn't warrant that, but we have kids that kind of compulsively do those things. And so that could, we have to, we have to be able to gauge what is irrational and what is rational and what is, what is expected and typical and what is over the top. And, and that will differ depending on where you're at, where you live and probably your own anxiety level. But what I have done to try to give myself green thoughts on the scorpions, because we have seen them. They are, we live in the desert is I bought this contraption on Amazon and I bought this a long time ago, way before, you know, he passed away, but it's, you probably, maybe you've seen it. It's kind of like a broom, but at the end, it's more of like this, like little, I can't even describe it, but anyway, it's got like these little like clasp things and it, you can use it to pick up a scorpion or a spider or a bug, and it kind of keeps them in there. And then you can go outside and drop them outside. And it's not that easy to use, but it does work. It's not as beautiful as the commercial shows. <laughs> it's not one and done. It's me like screaming and trying to get it and then trying to get it again and trying to get it. And then, but I did get it. And so, one of my plans and one of my green thoughts is I have that thing. If I see something, I can do it. I am brave. I can just grab that and it'll be fine. The other thing that I think about, which we are going to be doing a podcast episode on, I think next week I'm going to be recording it is how to stay in the moment, you know, and how to be more in the moment and not in the what ifs. And, um, and we're going to talk about how to get our kids to be more in the now when you're in the now, this is just a preview for my next podcast. But when you're in the now, you don't need to worry about that because I'm in the now. Well, I haven't seen a scorpion today. So in my current Reality, there does not exist. There there one does not exist. So, do I need to worry about that right now? No. Is it okay to have a plan? Yes. But do I need to hold on to that plan in my head and practice it? No. So, um, we'll talk about that next week. But that's another tool, you know, when it comes to bugs, is if I'm not seeing a bug, can I go outside? I'm not seeing a bug right now. So, we'll kind of go into that next week. So, we have personify it for the little kids, educate, make a plan, empower your kids on whatever level you can. And then the last one I just want to touch on is around exposures. Exposures can be really helpful depending on the level of fear. So there are people who have such intense fear of bugs that they're pretty debilitated. And if it's at that level, exposures are really helpful. So I'm going to talk about some different exposure ideas. One. Might just be to actually sit outside. Can you sit outside for five minutes? If that's too much, can you sit outside for one minute, 30 seconds, and then build up from there? And the goal isn't to sit outside and show you that there'll, there'll be no bugs. It's to sit outside and show you that you can tolerate the bugs that you might see. You may or may not see bugs, and either way, you can tolerate them, right? So that's an outside exposure. Some other exposures, depending on the level of severity, Is buying fake bugs. And so you can go on Amazon and you can buy pretty realistic bugs. You can buy cockroaches, you can buy bees. I am amazed at Amazon. You can pretty much find anything. And so in my practice, I had very realistic looking toy bees. You would not know that they're fake. They look so believable. And I had cockroaches that were very realistic looking. And even for me, those cockroaches, if I was to hold one of those fake cockroaches, even though intellectually I knew they were fake, It would make me feel a little nauseous. I had like a guttural response to it. And so that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Talking about me. It can be very effective for someone who has a fear at that level. Um, They will get like a physical response from it. And then over time that goes down, just like any, you know, exposure that you're doing. Typically the discomfort starts to go down. You can adapt to it. So holding fake bugs can be very helpful. Now, that doesn't mean that you go around planting fake bugs around your house and scaring your kids. It's a controlled exposure where you, they know it's fake and you put it in their hand. The other thing that I have done with kids, and this is going to sound really gross, but it was actually very effective, is I would find dead bugs in my garage. (laughs) We had some pretty big ones. Um, Most of the time they were crickets and I would have kids first hold it in a plastic bag. And if that was too much, sometimes they just would have to be next to them or in the room, right? It's a hierarchy. And so the hierarchy, the ladder will look different for each one of you, depending on your child's level of fear. So you might have it in the room with them, or you might have it next to them, or it might be on their lap. It might be in their hand in the plastic bag. And then eventually you move up to getting it out of the plastic bag and in their hand. And then eventually they can hold it. And, you know, it's just so weird. I have like such a bad memory. <laughs> I'm realizing that I did all that with my youngest daughter. I forgot that she had like a major fear of bugs. It's so weird. You know, when our kids go through so many different themes that we forget, my brain's really not working at full, full speed anyway. But we, we did that. We did a beetle challenge with her. She was terrified of bugs, but she was afraid of bugs coming out of the drain. And it was impacting her ability to take a bath because she thought the bugs were going to get into her private parts. She thought the bugs were going to come out of the drain. And, um, it was mainly about it going inside of her on some level, like her ears or her private parts. And so we actually got to the point where this was, she was really young when we did this. She might've been like four or five. Like this was a while ago. I took that fake. It wasn't fake. I took that dead bug and she did build up. She was able to hold it, which is very hard. I mean, I think for some of us holding a dead bug, even the average person would get kind of a physical response from that. I did, but exposures work because after a while it didn't bother me anymore. There was a time where holding it, like it was hard to hold it for more than a minute. I mean, I could barely hold it for 10 seconds, but I try to like do the things I make other people do. And so I got over that and didn't bother me anymore. And she got over it, which is amazing, but we haven't done this in a long time. So I doubt she could do this again, but we put it in her tub. We put the actual dead bug in her tub, which I know that sounds really weird and demented, but as an exposure, it was very effective. Because she learned how to d- handle that discomfort, and then it didn't bother her anymore, and once it stopped bothering her, we didn't keep doing it. It was just purely an exposure. So if you can find and this is gonna sound really weird, or order, you know, you can order bugs, you can order dead bugs, um people collect them. you know, it just depends on how far you want to go with this and what would be helpful for your child. Now obviously, if they're in therapy, consult with a therapist and um you can give your therapist ideas I mean, I've had parents give me ideas and they've been great ideas. And I've, and I've, t- I've told them I'm going to steal this. Is that okay? I'm going to steal this. I'm going to share it with the world. <laughs> and they're like, sure, Natasha, it's fine. So you can share this with your therapist and then get their approval, see what they think. But I have worked with parents where we've ordered bugs online. You know, they're not alive, but I, I, I tend to say, you know, like, is this going to be helpful? So if they're not really having severe fears of bugs, you know, they don't need to go to that level of exposure. The other exposure, which I don't think is necessarily needed, but I just want to mention it because maybe it will help somebody, is using filters. There are filters where you can have like bugs all over you. Let me look up. Have you ever heard of um, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's Banuba? It's an app and it's B-A-N-U-B-A, Banuba my kids found it. Um, it is really annoying because you have to purchase them or you have to like do stuff it for certain filters, but they normally have about five to 10 filters for free. And they're really good. I'm sure Snapchat and Instagram, and there's probably other apps that do filters, but I like Banuba because they tend to have some on there that are really good for exposures. Um, sometimes they, you know, makes a girl, a guy, which can be an OCD theme, or they They have scary things kind of floating on you. Like it's really good because there are some really good ones on there for exposures. And one of them, they had a couple. They have one that I saw that a snake is going through like your face, totally disgusting. And they have one where there's bugs coming all out all over you or crawling on your face. I don't think a child necessarily has to go through that as an exposure if they're afraid of bugs. But if that's one of their big issues, they're worried about bugs on their face and it's like one of their themes that app actually could help. So use your discretion, but you can check that out. You can check it out for other exposure ideas too, because I've had kids who have, who have OCD issues worrying about growing old. And there's apps where it, there's filters on there that it ages you. I've had kids worrying about turning demonic, you know, and there's apps on not, I keep saying apps, but there's filters on there where, you know, it can turn your eye color red. Um, there's just a lot of good ones for different exposures for completely different themes. So check that out in general. So exposures are helpful, and and I always try to get creative with exposures. People think of exposures and they think exposures mean like exposing yourself to the outside or exposing yourself to be nearing a bug. But you can get creative with exposures, as I just talked about. Right? You can find dead bugs. You can you can use apps that are like bugs. You can even use virtual reality. That is getting more and more popular, where you can use virtual reality apps to experience bugs. And so get creative and do those exposures if you need to. And that can be really helpful as well. So I hope this gave you just some ideas. I know everything I talk about, and I say this a lot, but it's not rocket science. And I like to say that because I know I'm not, I'm not giving you any information that's not going to like knock your socks off. But I think a lot of times we just don't think about a lot of these things, or sometimes I can spark an idea in you. uh, Even if you get one small idea. From the episode, that is something more than nothing. And it might be the one idea that's going to make the difference. So I hope that maybe you got something from that. And next week, we will be talking about how to keep our kids in the now. So if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, subscribe so that you don't miss these episodes because life gets busy. We forget to check wherever we listen to our podcasts and you're going to be behind and you're going to forget about it. So hit subscribe. And, um, you won't miss it. It'll come out next Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you know, I always appreciate you guys. When you hit a star on iTunes or Google play or wherever you consume your podcast and get back to the show, get back to me to show me that there's some value in what I'm giving. And I really appreciate it when you guys leave comments and talk about how the show has impacted you. So I have been really behind because I've been gone for two months And anyone who has been a fan of the podcast before then knows that I have not missed a podcast episode every week, probably since this podcast started in 2017. Let me see 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It's been four years. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think in this entire four years, I have never missed an episode. Maybe once that's probably an exaggeration. So being gone for two months, was a long time. And thank you for those of you that hung in there and listened, awaited, and I will be back every Tuesday. That is my plan. But I did get a lot of comments, a lot of reviews since then. I want to read a couple of them. SB Hong wrote really great podcast helps you feel less alone. So helpful. Thank you for that. And llama mama 19. I love, I just love your name. She wrote, love you, Natasha. Excellent podcast. And thank you for that. I really appreciate this. And C Whiting wrote, after a particular difficult morning with my seven-year-old who struggles with OCD, I searched for help and came across your podcast. I've listened to five episodes already. Yes, I was that desperate after this morning. I have felt validated. I have cried. I have increased understanding and sympathy. And most of all, I have renewed hope. Thankfully, she has a wonderful therapist that helps her, but this podcast really helped me. I'm really grateful and excited. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you leaving a review. And I'm glad that I was able to be there for you in spirit. Well, I'm not dead, but with you virtually uh, during that rough time. And I just want to read one more because I want to catch up. And I really appreciate Lizette's comment. She said regarding the tragedy, Natasha, I'm so very sorry to hear about your devastating and unexpected loss. My heart goes out to you and your family. Thank you for sharing this tragic news on your podcast. I also watched the beautiful. Video you made, and it was truly beautiful, a real labor of love that caused me to deeply reflect on my own relationship, as I'm sure it made others do the same, which I'm really appreciative, Lizette, because that's really, I wanted that video to really maybe touch someone else's life and make an impact, you know, if, if that's a gift I could give somebody else. Um, even though I've never personally met you, having been a listener from the beginning, I know your husband was such an integral part of you and how you moved in the world. Loss must feel enormous. I'm thinking about you and sending my very best wishes. As you heroically put one foot in front of the other in the face of this very difficult new reality for you and your family, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, she said, below is a review of the podcast that we sent a long time ago that appeared when s- sending this current message regarding tragedy. Um, Natasha's podcast is awesome. I've listened to all of her episodes and I've been meaning to write a review for some time now. Her podcast is filled with informative, useful information and hands on tools that you can immediately implement. The best part is that Natasha is hilarious, thank you, and totally down to earth. She uses many personal examples of anxiety from herself and her own kids that make her material come alive. I look forward to each episode. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Lizette. I wanted to read this sooner than later because you're touching on the grief. And I know I don't want people to always think I'm always talking about the grief, but I think if you have listened from the very beginning, you have heard me talk about my husband because I am very raw and I'm very personal. I talk about my life and he was my complete world. And I was, you know, besides having social anxiety, I was total introvert and he was really my other half. He was my best friend. And so I appreciate your kind words and, you know, kind of getting my mind off of it and just trying to get back to my routine during the day is like a little air bubble in the suffocation that I feel. I'm laughing because that sounded really, really dark, but that it is what it is. So Thank you all. And if you have something to write, please feel free to write a review. Maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And I do hope that you all find the sparkle in everything you do more now than ever before. And I'll see you again next Tuesday. Thanks so much.